Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. We dive into stories of true crime, from unsolved cold cases to historic kidnapping to gangsters and beyond. We are your source for true crime. We thank you for listening. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. I am your host, Larry Lees. Today we're diving into the assassination of Qasem Soleimani. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Poddex, for sponsoring this episode. You can check them out today, poddex.com, and use the promo code Larry21 for 10% off your purchase. Before we dive into our main topic, we'd also like to remind you that you can support the show by buying us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNS. And now on to our main topic, the assassination of Iranian General Qasem Soleimani. The modern Middle East has seen a number of occasions in which the assassination of high-level government military figures was attempted or at least considered. Such instances include U.S. decapitation strike air raids targeting Libyan leader Muammar Gaddafi in 1986 and Iraqi leader Saddam Hussein in 1991, 1998, and 2003. In addition to killings of non-state terrorist leaders such as Anwar al-Waqi, apologize for butchering his name, and Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, governments conducting assassinations of foreign leaders and officials was largely frowned upon in prior centuries, but that norm has been weakening over time, especially since World War II. 
The effectiveness of anti-terrorist leadership targeting has become a subject of scholarly debate, especially with regard to whether such killings are actually beneficial to a country's foreign policy goal. In the wake of the strike against Soleimani, both the topic of further eroding norms and questions regarding effectiveness were raised. The costs and benefits of foreign policy assassinations are difficult to compute, and decisions that go ahead with such actions often reflect a vague and not always realized hope that any successor to the targeted person will be less capable against or will embody policies more favorable towards the country taking the action. In 2014, the U.S. intervened in Iraq as part of Operation Inherent Resolve, an American-led mission to fight the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant, a terror organization, and have been training and operating alongside Iraqi forces as part of the anti-ISIL coalition. 2017, ISIL forces in Iraq were largely defeated amidst the civil war, with the help of primarily Iran-backed Shia militias. The Popular Mobilization Forces, reporting to the Iraqi Prime Minister since 2016, and the U.S.-backed Iraqi Armed Forces. Concerning the provisional nuclear deal with Iran, some critics of the treaty argue that Iran could make a nuclear bomb after the expiry of the limited-term nuclear deal. U.S. President Donald Trump criticized the 15-year nuclear deal with Iran, particularly the Obama administration's debt clearance of $1.7 billion to Iran. Tensions arose between Iran and the U.S. in 2018 after Trump unilaterally withdrew from the 2015 nuclear deal and reimposed sanctions against Iran, which severely impacted Iran's economy as a part of his administration's strategy of applying maximum pressure against Iran for the purpose of establishing a new nuclear deal. Uh, I'll butcher this name as well. The Quds Force, which Qasim Soleimani led, has been designated a terrorist organization by Canada, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, and the U.S. Soleimani himself was sanctioned by the U.N. and the European Union and was on U.S. terror watch list. Abu Mahdi al-Mahandis was designated a terrorist by the U.S. in 2009. The 25,000 strong militia he commanded is considered a terrorist organization by Japan, the UAE, and the U.S. General Qasem Soleimani was considered the second most powerful person in Iran, behind Iran's supreme leader, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, and in his later years enjoyed a near-unassailable heroic status, especially with supporters of Tehran's hardline politics. Ever since the Iran-Iraq war in which Iran was attacked by Saddam Hussein's Iraq, with significant assistance of several Western countries, siding with Hussein against Khomeini's Islamic Republic in Tehran, with notably the U.S. supplying weapons and intelligence to Iraq, Soleimani had developed into the architect of all Iran's foreign policies in the Middle East, and a key figure in all of Iran's foreign and defense policies. He provided crucial support to President Bashar al-Assad's regime during the Syrian civil war. In his 2008 letter to the U.S. General David Petraeus, then commander of the multinational force in Iraq, he asserted, quote, General Petraeus, you must know that I am in charge of the Iranian policies concerning Iraq, Lebanon, Gaza, and Afghanistan. That made his killing by the U.S. on January 3, 2020, a significant aggravation of the existing tensions between the U.S. and Iran in the days after the assassination of 
Soleimani, Iran's leaders vowed shattering revenge on places and at times where the U.S. don't expect it. And now we're going to look at prior threats against Soleimani. Responses to Qasem Soleimani's perceived influence in Iraq and abroad had been a topic of a debate amongst U.S. officials for many years. In 2007, as U.S. military officials attempted to learn more about the leadership of the Iran-backed proxy groups operating in Iraq, they received a message relayed through the Iraqi Minister of State for National Security that Soleimani wanted them to know that he was the sole decision-maker on Iranian activities in Iraq. According to a report by NBC News, Eric Edelman, a career foreign service officer with senior diplomatic post at the time, U.S. Commander Army General George Casey considered designating Soleimani and officers as enemy combatants, thus making them subject to military action. However, the idea was ruled out over concerns of opening a new front in the war. Edelman stated, there were a lot of us who thought he should be taken out, but at the end of the day, they decided not to do that due to the concern of starting simultaneous conflict with Iran. Former U.S. Presidents George W. Bush and Barack Obama both considered and rejected targeting Qasem Soleimani, reasoning that it would escalate to a full-scale war. Retired CIA officer Mark Palmeropoulos told the New York Times that Soleimani, unlike other adversaries killed by the U.S., felt comfortable operating in the open and was not hard to find. He often took photographs of himself and openly taunted U.S. forces. In October 2007, the Bush administration was the first to designate Soleimani a terrorist on the basis of his involvement with the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps and the increasing recognition of the role they played in the Iraq conflict. According to an interview with a PolitiFact journalist, retired U.S. Army Colonel Frank Sobchak said that around the same time, U.S. Special Forces had planned for his capture. The mission was not approved by senior officials. He said, quote, individuals that we talked to in senior positions, the U.S. government told us that with support for the war at an all-time low in 2007, the Bush administration recognized the importance of Soleimani to the war, but was not willing to risk the political capital and repercussions that could occur from expanding the war to that level. These activities preceded escalating concern and terror designations of him by the Obama administration. The first designation was made in May 2011 in response to Soleimani's assistance to the Syrian General Intelligence Directorate in the violent suppression of Syrian protests. The second and more serious designation by the Obama administration came in October 2011 after a plot was revealed in which four senior Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps Officers were planning to assassinate the Saudi Arabian ambassador while in the U.S. In September 2015, radio host Hugh Hewitt asked Donald Trump about the general. After initially confusing him with a Kurdish leader, Trump argued that leaders like him would be dead under his administration. It was reported in 2015 that Israel was on the verge of assassinating Soleimani on Syrian soil. However, the U.S., during the Obama administration's negotiations for the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, thwarted the operation by revealing it to the Iranian officials. 
On August 25th, 2019, Israeli Foreign Minister Israel Katz said, Israel is acting to strike the head of the Iranian snake and uproot its teeth. Iran is the head of the snake, and Qasem Soleimani, the commander of the Revolutionary Guards Force, is the snake's teeth. In October 2019, Hassin Taib, chief of the intelligence organization of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, told the press that his agency had arrested an unspecified number of people, allegedly foiling a plot by Israeli and Arab agencies to assassinate Soleimani. He said they had planned to buy a property adjacent to the grave of the general's father and rig it with explosives to kill the commander. He added the way the assassination would have appeared as part of an internal Iranian power struggle to trigger a religious war inside Iran. Yossi Cohen, chief of the Israeli Foreign Intelligence Agency, Mossad, said in response, Soleimani knows that his assassination is not impossible. On January 2nd, 2020, New York Times author Stephen Simon wrote in a comment, What if the foreign former commander of Iran's Revolutionary Guards visits Baghdad for a meeting and you know the address? There will be many temptations to use hypersonic missiles. Then, on January 3rd, 2020, at 12.32 a.m. local time, Soleimani's Airbus A320 plane arrived at Baghdad International Airport from Damascus International Airport after being delayed for two hours for unknown reasons. An MQ-9 Reaper drone of the U.S. Air Force and other military aircraft loitered above the area as the general and other pro-Iranian paramilitary figures including Abu Mahdi al-Muhandis, a U.S.-designated terrorist, entered a Toyota Avalon and Hyundai Sterex and departed the airport towards downtown Baghdad. At 12.47 a.m., the Reaper drone launched several missiles, striking the convoy on an access road as it departed the airport, engulfing the two cars in flames and killing 10 people. As news of the event broke, Department of Defense issued a statement which said that the strike was carried out at the direction of the president and was meant to deter future attacks. Trump asserted that the general had been planning further attacks on American diplomats and military personnel and had approved the attack on the American embassy in Baghdad. According to Saudi-based Arab News, the drone that struck Soleimani's convoy had been launched from the airbase in Qatar was controlled remotely by operators at the Creech Air Force Base. A statement by the Air Force of the Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps stated that Ali al-Salim Air Base in Kuwait participated, among other bases in the region, in the operation that was executed near Baghdad Airport recently. Kuwait summoned the Iranian ambassador to Kuwait over the statement and exp- expressed Kuwait's resentment and categorical denial of such a statement. According to Ahmed al-Assadi, a member of the Iraqi parliament, the drones were three American UAVs that took off from the military base of Ain al-Assad and flew in the sky of Baghdad for 20 hours, then came back directly to the Ain al-Assad base after carrying out the assassination operation. As DNA results were still pending regarding the identification of those killed, a senior Pentagon official said there was high probability that Soleimani would be identified. His body was identified using a ring that he was known for wearing, 
Asani, a spokesman for the Popular Mobilization Forces, confirmed the death of Soleimani and Mohandas. According to Ayatollah Ali Sistani's office, the casualties included several commanders who defeated Islamic State terrorists. The IRGC said a total of 10 people were killed, along with Soleimani. Four other officers were also killed. Brigadier General Hossein Purjafari, Sharud Masafarinia, Major Hadi Tarimi, and Captain Vahid Zamanian. The remaining five casualties were Iraqi members of the PMF, Deputy Chairman Abu Mahdi al-Mahandis, Chief of Protocol on Public Relations, Mohammed Reza al-Jabari, Mohammed al-Shabani, Hassan Abdul Hadi, and Haidar Ali. On the same day of the Baghdad airport attack, an IRGC financier and key commander was unsuccessfully targeted by U.S. drones in Yemen, which killed Mohammed Mirza, a force operator, instead. Shanahi was also responsible for the killing of five American soldiers in Karbala, Iraq, on January 20, 2007. According to a Washington Post investigation, the unsuccessful operation might indicate a broader operation than previously explained, raising questions on whether the mission was designed to cripple the leadership of the IRGC or solely to prevent an imminent attack on Americans, as originally stated. And that is all we have for this episode of the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. Let us know your thoughts in the comment section below. Do you believe this was a justified assassination on a foreign general? Let us know in the comment section below. And as always, if you want to support the show, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNS. Your financial support helps us grow the channel, upgrade our equipment, and bring in new hosts, bring in some guests and just make the show that much better. Thanks for listening and watching, and we'll see you next time. You have been listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast and on Twitter at True Crime NS. And follow us on Instagram at True Crime Never Sleeps. Thanks for watching. If you want to support the show, buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNN or become a patron at patreon.com slash True Crime Never Sleeps. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.